Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. All right, well listen, it is uh, phenomenal to be with you. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, it's kind of like when you live in Madison and the eight days of summer are over and you go to your closet and you look at your favorite sweatshirt and you think to yourself, I wonder if this will still fit like it did last week when it was winter, right? <laughs> and, uh, and you take it off and you put it on and you just, this feels so good. So uh, thank you for, uh, to Pastor Shannon and the elders just for uh, your faithfulness to this body. I, I, I hope that you know uh, how, how much the elders and, and, and Pastor Shannon work to serve you and bless you and lead you. And uh, you're doing a good job and you got good leaders. And so I'm grateful for that. I want to say thank you to Dr. Perry, uh, who uh, I don't know if you guys know, but Dr. Perry is, is I'm under his covering, which means that under this thin Anglo veneer is a African-American man trying to get out. All right. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Dr. P, <laughs> Dr. P helps me to not make that awkward for everybody. Um, so I love him. He, he is a, a, a father uh, in the ministry and in faith to me. And, uh, and, and so thank you just for all the work that you've done. Dr. Perry's getting ready to retire, praise the Lord, and, uh, and rest his, his uh, strong but weary soul. And so uh, he has served this body really well. Also, and I also want to uh, just give a quick shout out to Pastor Ken Nabby, who will be the new Dr. Perry. Uh, some differences that may be obvious and some <laughs> less, but he's going to do an awesome job. Uh, whenever we were in Madison, I would drive up to Beaver Dam. Ken was in Fond du Lac, and we would meet in Beaver Dam and drink subpar coffee together. And uh, he's a good and godly man. And so I hope that you'll embrace him and, and bless him and pray for him. And uh, I just want you to know, um, man, uh, Ash and I, we love you guys. There's nobody in the state of Indiana who prays more for this church than the, the people in the Dunn House. And so we're excited for what God has for you guys and what God's going to do in and through you guys. And, uh, and I think that the best is yet to come. So just continue to pray, continue to invest, continue to believe for great things. And, uh, and I know that God will exceed our wildest expectations. Amen? Okay. Let me pray for you. Uh, and then we're going to get into God's word together and look at Moses. God, thank you for the chance to be here today. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're good and that you're kind and that you're trustworthy and that we can always depend on you. And I thank you that even when we can't see around the corner or even when it appears that maybe you've dropped us or left us or forgotten us, that you certainly have not. And so uh, I just want to tell you today that I love you and I know that I love you because you love me first and that you love me best. And so thank you for that, God. As we open up your word, let your spirit prevail. Let him break through. Let him speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. And we'll thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Uh, so if you have a Bible, why don't you get to Exodus chapter 20? If not, I think it'll be up on the screen here behind me. But I just want to uh, talk about this idea that Pastor Sharon, Pastor Sharon, there you go. I got your back, buddy. <laughs> I might be ton, but at least I'm not Sharon. All right. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Shannon, I'm so sorry, bro. Um, Pastor Shannon kind of started to get at this idea that we're in the in-between. We, we have been redeemed by God, many of us in our past, but the kingdom has not tangibly fully come yet. And so we're in this space where we're trying to understand, God, what are you calling us to in the here and now with an eye toward the future? 
And so people all through God's word have had this tension. They've had this uh, belief that something better was coming, that God was going to make all things new and renew and restore and redeem. And, uh, and they ordered their lives according to that. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Moses, and Moses was probably one of the best leaders in the Bible. The Bible actually says that he was the most humble man on the earth. The caveat to that is that he actually wrote that, right? So you can kind of figure out how that works. I am the most humble man who has ever lived, Um, but probably one of the best leaders. And if you look at Moses's life, Moses was a man who was constantly displaced. He never really was able to put down roots and and, uh, you know, build the farm and plant the seed and watch the crops come up. God always had him on the move from a very, very early age. When Moses was a baby, Pharaoh decrees that all, all baby boys under the age of two have to be executed. And mom says, that's not happening. Puts him in a, the Nile River. And he has to leave his biological family to go to his adopted family that ends up being the daughter of Pharaoh. We know that later on in the story, he is with his adopted family. He comes to understand that he's a Hebrew man, boy, and he uh, sees the oppression of God's people, and he murders an Egyptian, and he has to leave his adopted family and go into the wilderness where he would marry into another family. And he's in that family for about 40 years. He has a wife, he has some kids, and he has an experience at a bush that's on fire but not consumed and talks to him, okay? Some of you have had that experience before. It's not the same thing, okay? It has to do with what you did before that happened, okay? Um, Bush is talking to you, not generally normal. But it ends up being God. And God says, I know that you've left your biological, and I know that you've left your adopted, and I want you to leave your married family, and I want you to go to a group of people who are in bondage. They're displaced, and I want you to call them to leave where they are to go where I want them to go. And so Moses, his story is a moving story. It's always always changing. There's always things going on. It's always God saying, I got something for you out there, not here. You got to go. You got to leave. If you stay here, you won't be where I want you to be. And what you see is that all of that change and all of that transition and all of that movement, God never gives us the indication that it's anything other than exactly what he wants. We often want to be able to stay and leave it as it is. And don't mess with it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But God moves Moses around, and we saw last week that he moved Abraham around. And in the movement, God was at work. In the movement, in the leaving and the going, God was doing something. And in fact, God was the one who was initiating it. And I want to say to you that even if you get to stay geographically someplace, if you're going to follow God for a long time, your faith has to be moving. And I think that there's three rhythms that we see in the life of Moses that I think uh, apply to us today. Three things that I hope when you walk out of here, if not all of them apply, certainly you can hang onto one of them and say, that's the season that I'm in right now, and how do I follow God best in it, in the belief that God is in the movement, in the belief that God is not only coming, but he's present just as he was in the past. Okay, does that make sense to you? Are we all good and on the same page? And so here's what I want to say to you. Uh, Leaving and going are not the same thing. Okay, leaving and going are not the same thing. They sound like the same thing, and the words are very similar, but in practice, leaving and going, they aren't the same. So God comes to Moses up on that mountain with that burning bush, and he says, in order for you to follow me, you can't stay here. You got to leave. And you got to go. 
And Moses goes to the people of Israel and he says, not only do you have to leave, but you also have to, you also have to go. And I want to just say to you today that some of you, you're in a season where God's calling you, calling you to leave. Not leave the church, not leave Madison, but there are things that God wants you to leave that if you're going to follow God, you can't stay here. If you're going to obey God, you can't stay here. If you're going to obey God, you can't plant roots and call it home and make it safe and comfortable. And here's what I've noticed, that a lot of us will settle for something that we know isn't God's best just because it's what we know. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, I'll stay here. I know that you got something better for me in the going, but in order to go, I got to leave, and I don't want to leave because I know what's here. I'm comfortable with what's here. I don't necessarily agree with what's here, but I can expect what's here. And God is calling you to leave it. Some of you, you are in slavery to something, just like the Israelites were. You got hurts, you got habits, you got hang-ups, you got things that God's saying, if you're going to go where I am, you got to leave those things today. And here's what I want to promise you. I want to promise you uh, that God is powerful enough to help you leave that place that you've been for a very long time. How many of you guys will admit, you don't have to raise your hand, I'll raise my hand, that you've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you've been doing them for so long, you don't know how to stop doing them. And what I want to say to you is that God can meet you in the leaving and give you the power to do so and help you to understand that as uncomfortable as leaving is, what he's got in the going is better. What he's got in the going is better. And so some of you, you got to leave Egypt today. It doesn't have to be the how, but it's got to be the what. You don't have to know what's going to happen if I do. You just have to know I can't stay here and today before God and God's people, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm going to lay it down. This is what we say in the church. I'm going to lay it down at the altar, right? I'm going to lay it down at the altar. I'm going to walk away from it because I can't stay here. Some of you, you've left Egypt, but Egypt hadn't left you. <laughs> God saved you, but you're still walking around like a slave. You're still walking around like somebody who doesn't have victory. You're still walking around like somebody who doesn't hear from God, who isn't loved by God. And you, today, you not only have to leave Egypt, but Egypt's got to gotta leave you. It's got to leave you. And you've got to continue to pursue that leaving. And here's the thing. What happened to the people of Israel? When they left Egypt, they looked back at terrible things and said, man, that was easier, right? I mean, you read that in the Bible and they go, wasn't that, weren't those leeks and garlics great? And you go, leeks and garlics, for real? Those were great? No, they weren't great. It's just what they knew. It's just what they knew. And some of you today, the movement that God has for you between God saving you and God taking you to that far country is there's some things that you got to leave. There's some things that you got to leave. And you know what they are, and you know uh, why you should, and today's the day that you just do it. Some of you, you need to leave things. They aren't sinful or bad. They're just holding the place that God wants to fill. It's not, it's not a relationship that's sinful or bad. It's not a habit that's sinful or bad. It's not a belief that's sinful or bad. It's just, it's just a cup holder that you're leaving something mediocre in that God wants to give you something better. And let me, let me tell you something. Leaving, it's hard. It's hard, man. It's really hard. It's hard to leave things that are important to you and that you care about and that you love because you feel like God wants to put something else in the cup holder. But if we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to be people empowered by God's Spirit, if we're going to be people who are distinguished, there are going to be times where you're going to find yourself at a burning bush that you're not going to be able to explain how God said it to you or why God said it to you or why I used a bush to say it. You just know, i got to leave. 
I can't stay. Because I want everything that God has for me. And here's the thing. Uh, God, the culmination of God's promises are in that far country. But God has things that he wants to give you today. He has promises that he wants to fulfill today. He has things that he wants to do through you today. Not tomorrow. Today. And I just want to encourage some of you who you're stuck at the door of leaving. Today's the day, man. <laughs> Today's the day. Let's go. Let's leave. Let's, let's make some commitments. Let's make some promises. Let's do what we know we should have done a long time ago. Let's get into that group. Let's go to celebrate recovery. Let's get on mission. Let's, let's leave what was because we know that God has some things for us. And so God sends, says to Moses, Mo, you got to leave. Right? And, and Mo says to the Hebrews, we got to leave. Right? And what's their question? Where are we going to where are we going to go? Right? Where are we going to go? That happens with Moses. Mo, you got to leave. Uh, where am I going to go? You're going to go to Egypt. What? Right? What? To the Israelites. You got to leave. Where are we going to go? We're going to go into the wilderness. What? But some of you, you have left. Okay? By God's grace, you have left. And by God's grace, you are leaving. You have left Egypt, and Egypt is leaving you, and you're willing to not stay in that comfortable place. But you're just at the spot where you have some things that you need to go get by God's grace and for God's glory. Right? The leaving has happened, but the going hasn't. There are a lot of people that I know that God has much greater things for them, but they've only left. They haven't gone. Does that make sense to you? They've only left... They haven't gone. And here's what I want to say to you today. I believe with all of my heart that God has specifically gifted and called every single person in this room. You say, Tim, you don't even know me. I don't need to know you because I know God. Right? I know that God specifically loves you. Specifically wants to redeem you. God wants to make a people, but he wants to save a person. He specifically gifted you. You have things that you are spiritually empowered to do that I am not spiritually empowered to do. One of them is hang out with kids in the other room, right? You do not want me hanging out with kids, okay? It involves duct tape and possibly jail time. It's not good. It's not good. I don't have that gift, okay? You don't want me going to that gift. But some of you, you have that gift. Some of you are going to reach people that I'm never going to reach. Some of you are going to say things that I'm never going to say. Some of you are going to think things that I'm never going to think. And it's all going to be God-ordained for God's glory. But you just aren't going. You've left, but you haven't gone. And so watch what happens. Moses comes to the Israelites, and you know all the story and all the plagues and all that kind of thing. And they get outside of Egypt, and God goes, stop. Wait, stop, why? Well, I want you to come up on this mountain, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to have to believe about me and how I want you to behave because of who I am in order for you to go where I got you going. You see, in order for you to leave, you have to believe certain things about God and certain things about yourself. Like when God saved me, I had to believe that God was good, that God was holy, that God was a savior, that God could redeem me, and I had to believe that I was a sinner and that I needed to be redeemed. Right? I needed to believe that. I, didn't, I couldn't come to God and say, look at all the good things that I've done. Look at all the, all the good intentions and the good motivations. And I have, uh, I love what Beth said today. I, they recommend me to you. I have to believe that the best recommendation of my best behavior did not adequately get me to the place that God would go you're in. That Jesus had to come and shed his blood. I had to believe that. 
And I had to behave in a certain way based on that belief. I had to entrust my whole life to God, knowing that if I held on to it, I wasn't going to leave and I was going to make a mess. Can I get a good amen on that? Yeah. And a lot of you have believed that. Can I say this? In order for you to go, you have to believe other things about God. And you have to believe other things about you. And so God brings them out of Egypt and he says, before you start heading toward this thing that I have for you, I need to talk to you about some things that are important to me that I want them to be important to you. Okay, so he says things like, I want you to value life. Don't kill people, right? And so you're going to have to think about life differently if you're going to go where God wants you to go. He says, I want you to think differently about marriage. I don't want you to commit adultery. And so you're going to have to think differently about marriage and sexuality and all of those things if you're going to get where God wants you to go. I don't want you to steal stuff. I want you to honor. I want you to, right? You get it? I don't want you to lie. I want you to honor the truth. These are things that would have been distinct and distinguishing and different than what they had believed in Egypt. In order to leave Egypt, all they had to believe is God's making a way for us to get the heck out of here. Once they get out of Egypt, God says, there's some other things I want to talk to you about. And here's what I want to say to you, okay? We're going to get back to that and put it on the shelf. But there are some things that you have to stop believing about God and start believing about yourself in order to go where God wants you to go. Some of you, you do not believe that God is a good, good father who has a great providential plan for you. You don't believe it. You know it, but you don't believe it. You believe that he's got one for Shannon, but not you. Right? You believe that, that, that Tony's got gifts, but not you. You believe that Noah and Beth and Emma have gifts, but not you. You don't think that God can use you. You think that he uses people on the stage. But that's not what the Bible teaches, is it? That's not what God says. God says, I want you to go. And some of you, you're stuck just outside of leaving, still not going. And here's what I want to say to you. Some of you, you got to leave today, and some of you, you got to start today. You got to go. You got to start a group. Seriously, you got to start a group. You got to get on mission. You got to walk across the street and go to your neighbor. You got to get in kids' ministry. You got to, I don't know what you got to do, but you need to start. You got to go. And in the going, you're going to have to believe some things about God and in His providence and in His goodness and in His faithfulness that as I go, God, I believe that you're going to be just a step ahead of me and that you're already doing something and already working. And as I take this step, you're already going to be here. Right? And I'm going to trust you today in a way that I didn't have to trust you to leave. Does that make sense to you? I trusted you to get me out of Egypt, but now I'm trusting you to take me to the promised land. And those two trusts, bad grammar, good theology, those two trusts are different. They're different. God, I want a great marriage. You're going to have to trust me different. God, I want you to save my kids. You're going to have to trust me different. God, I want you to use my life. You're going to have to trust me different. And it's going to be different than leaving because it's, it's going. It's going. Okay? So God calls Moses uh, up onto the mountain. And he says, Mo, I want you to tell them that there are things that I value that if they're going to go, they're going to have to value too. And the list is pretty obvious, right? The list is pretty clear. Don't kill people. Got it. Don't steal stuff. Got it. Don't cheat on your wife. Got it. Don't want things that aren't yours. Got it. Don't work seven days a week. What? Got 
Yeah, but here's the thing. Some of us, we got it, and some of us were too busy going. You see, the, the first rhythm is, some of you today, you got to leave. Not the church, not right now, okay? I'm not done. Please sit back down, okay? Some of you, you got to leave. You got to leave Egypt. Egypt's got to leave you. It's comfortable, it's safe, it's warm, it's nurtured, but you got to go. Some of you, you need to get going. You need to get on mission. You need to get into community. You need to stop coming up with excuses and stop believing that God won't be faithful and stop believing that bad things are going to happen. Stop believing that the past is going to repeat itself and say God is greater than all those things. And so I'm going to take a step and I'm going to believe that in that step God's already going to be there. And some of you, you're going and you're going and you're going and you're going and you're going. And here's what's happening. You're losing God in the going because you aren't stopping. This is what happens. This is a trip. Because, because God, God saved me when I was 16 years old. And I, and I said, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And so I went. I went to Cincinnati. And then I went to this crazy town called Madison. And then we <coughs> left and went to a boring town called Indianapolis. All right? <laughs> I'm trying to reconcile that with God. But here's the thing. Um, in the going, some things began to happen that while I was... While I was going, because I had left, and while I was talking about God and studying God and all of those things, I started sometimes to lose God because I didn't, I didn't stop. And so God, check this out, says very obvious things like, don't kill people. Killing people is bad. My people don't kill people. Got it. And my people take a Sabbath. What? My people don't work seven days a week. And so here's what I want to do. For some of you, I spent a little bit of time. Man, today's the day to leave. For some of you, today's the day to get going. I mean, Madison is full of people who knew Jesus. Let's go. Let's get busy. Okay? I'm praying for you. My wife's praying for you. you got good leadership. you got a space that you might not be here next month, but you're here this month. All right? Let's get to it. Okay, let's do everything that we can to reach people far from God, to make the name of Jesus great in a city far from Him. Let's get going. Amen? Amen? Okay, the time has come. You might be tired, but God is faithful. You might be hurt, but God is faithful. You might have hangups, but God is faithful. Let's get to it. Okay, and let's not, let's not be vague or general about it. Then there's others of us, man, that, that we are going, but we're losing God in the going. And so I want to take the next few minutes and just talk about this idea of Sabbath. Because here's the thing. Um, following Jesus, Sabbath isn't about like taking a day off. Okay? Some of us, we don't take a day off. But the thing that God is saying isn't, as, it isn't less than take a day off, but it's certainly more. And so I just want to spend a little bit of time talking on that. And maybe as we walk out today, there will be people in the bucket of, I gotta leave, people in the bucket I need to go, and people in the bucket of I need to stop. Okay? So here it is. Sabbath is three things. Number one, Sabbath is a, is a day of rest. It's a day of rest. Exodus 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you should labor and do all your work. And there's two pieces to this, right? Christians should be the best workers, the most going, the best leaving. But one day a week you got to stop. And on the seventh day, let it be to the Lord your God on this day. Do not do any work. Hebrews chapter 4 says it this way, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who re enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore, here's the phrase, make every effort 
to enter into that rest. Did you know that getting rest takes work? You knew that, right? And here's the reason that some of you are so, t- are so restless in your soul. It's because you aren't going. Right? It's because you're not doing anything. Have you ever had that time where you just have laid in bed all day and at the end of day you've done nothing but you're still tired? So here's what God says. Six days a week, get going. Right? Be busy about my work, but also make every effort on that seventh to stop. On that seventh to stop. So you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to plan in order to finish well. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about longevity in the here and now so that when that far country becomes a present reality, I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Okay? So in order to do that, I don't want to lose God in the going, so I'm going to stop. And I'm going to plan to rest, and I'm going to plan to, to refocus. Okay? The second thing is that Sabbath is a decision to trust. It's a decision to trust. And this is where this kind of gets underneath to take a break. It's a decision to trust. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who do you take or where do you take or to what do you take your weariness? Some of us, we take it to Netflix. Right? Some of us, we take it to a meal. Some of us, we take it to the gym. Some of us, we take it to a bottle or a pack of tobacco or it's where we take. That's not, God says, I don't want you to trust those things. I want you to come to me. I want you to come to me. And here's what Sabbath is. It is once a week to stop trying to figure it out. Once a week to stop trying to find solutions. Once a week, stop trying to fix it. Once a week, rather dump it into the lap of God. You know, the same way that you fall into your couch to turn on Netflix, that's how God says, I want you to fall into me. I know you're going, I know you've left, but I need you to stop and I need you to fall into me. I need you to come to me. I need you to trust me. I need you to stop trusting things that can't give you rest. How many of you guys have ever binge watched Netflix and you were more tired when you got done than when you started? Right? I don't know what this whole house of cards thing is about, but I'm very, very tired, and I think Frank is a very bad man, right? Yeah. How many of you guys have done things that, that just, you just, you call it unplugging, but Sabbath isn't unplugging, it's replugging. It's plugging into something else. And it's, it's to admit, here's the thing, to remind myself that there is a God and I'm not him. And that when I try to act like I'm him, things break in my heart, in my soul, and around me. Listen, some of the reason that, that you're struggling to get going is that you haven't stopped and just admitted there's a God and, and it's not me. Some of the reason that you're struggling to leave is because you're still trying to, to get yourself out of it instead of saying there's a Savior and it's, it's not me. See, Sabbath is to every single week, every single week in real time, remind yourself that there is a God and I ain't Him.
I'm not going to try to act like him. I'm not going to try to mimic him. I'm not going to try to sort it out like him. I'm just going to get myself before him. I'm going to do whatever it takes for that to occur. And I'm going to do it every week because I'm prone to forget. And when I start to forget, I stop going. And when I stop going, I stop leaving. And then I find myself in slavery and bondage. Can I get a good amen on that? Yeah. Yeah. And so in order for me to regularly leave, I have to regularly stop. And in order for me to regularly go, I have to regularly stop. And I want to keep going because I want to be faithful until that far country comes. But in order for me to regularly go, sometimes I just have to remind myself of where the energy comes from. And guess what? It ain't you. And it ain't me. It isn't you. And it isn't me. And then thirdly, Sabbath is a declaration of freedom. Look at what Deuteronomy 5.15 says. It says, remember that you were slaves. That's a really important practice for a Christian. To remember what it was like before I left. To remember what it was like before God saved me. To remember what it was like before God showed up. To remember what it was like before God redeemed. What was my marriage like before God? What was my life like before God? What were my finances like before God? How was my soul before God? Remember that you were a slave every single week. When's the last time that you set aside time with a cup of coffee and a still spirit to remember that there was a time that I hadn't left? And God saved me. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Every week, remember that it was God who brought me out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Why, why did I need God's hand? Because mine wasn't mighty enough. <laughs> because mine wasn't mighty enough. Therefore, because of this, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And here's what I want. I want to be very clear about this. Take a break every single week. Take Sabbath to remember every single week. It's not a suggestion. Not for a Christian. It's right next to don't kill people. It's right next to don't cheat on your wife. It's right next to don't steal stuff. Now, for most of us, we're good moral Christians. And we would never actually kill somebody. (laughs) Why? Because that's bad. But we don't ever stop. Because that's acceptable. God isn't calling you to a practice. He's calling you to an affection. He's not saying take a break. He's saying reorient your heart to me. And in order to do that, in order to keep going, you're going to have to stop on a regular basis. And I don't just mean take a nap. Remember that you were a slave. I mean, remember that I love you. I mean, remember that I'm God and you're not. I mean, remember that I got a plan and purpose for your life. I remember that I'm here and that I'm present and that I'm doing things. And that I'm I'm not going to drop you every single week. Sabbath is a day to say, I am not a rat and I am not in a race. Sabbath is a day to say, I don't know the Joneses, and I'm not going to try to keep up with them. Sabbath is a day to say, I'm a child of the Most High God. And I'm deeply loved. And I don't work for His affection and acceptance. I work from it. My going is not of my own strength. My going is of His. And in order to remind myself of that, I'm going to stop every single week and take myself back to that initial leaving. Take myself back to that initial calling. 
so that on day one, when I start over, I'll be filled up with the spirit and grace of God. Because I know that if I don't do that, I'll forget that I left. I'll falter in my going because I start to think that I'm God and that I don't need him. So I want to give you some Sabbath commitments. I'm a preacher, so I got to get you to commit to something, all right? But I'm serious about this. I understand the amount of work that it goes into making this church happen and making Sunday happen. I understand that there are people that feel called to ministry. I understand that Celebrate Recovery and groups and kids, and I understand it takes a lot of effort. And so I'm very serious about this, just like I'm serious about I would prefer you didn't kill people. Can we make some commitments to not kill people? <laughs> Can we make some commitments to obey the Sabbath? Okay? I don't want to be as practical as I can with you on this. Uh, here's Sabbath commitment number one. I will rest my body. Okay? And here's the thing. You're going to have to live by principle, not by pressure. How many of you would say, my life is full of pressure moving me through the week, and at the end, the pressure pushes me into my bed? Yeah, people of God, we don't, we don't live according to pressure. We live according to affection. We live according to belief. And those affections and those beliefs affect our behavior. And so this commitment is a response to the work of God. I will rest my body. Listen to Psalm 127, verse 2. It is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Did you know the Bible said that? God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. <laughs> God says, take a nap for the love of me. <laughs> right? Take a nap. This is my pastoral recommendation. I love you. Cancel your plans, unless they're to hang out with me, and go home and take a nap. Take a break. Turn off your stupid phone. Turn off the TV. Put your arm around your wife and both fall asleep with your mouth gaping, saliva going down the side of your face. You will wake up and your soul will feel better. Here's what I want to say. Listen, are you tired? Seriously. Are you tired? I don't mean like in a real spiritual, uh, you know, ethereal way. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you well? I haven't seen you for a little bit. Are you all right? It might be that in all the going, you haven't stopped. And listen, you have to take care of yourself. Why? So that you continue to go. Because this right here, this is mission. This is influence. This is impact. This is Madison looking different in 10 years. This can't stop. But in order for this to continue, this has to start. Some of you, you know God has a call in your life. You're just so tired to get to it. So I want you to make a commitment. I will, every single week, I will rest my body. I will rest my body. Look at what Romans chapter 12 says. And I understand the context of it, but just think of it in our context. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies, talking about physical bodies, to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice that he finds acceptable. That's talking about flesh and blood. I'm going to give you my week. I'm going to rest because I know you want to use me in the morning. Do you know what I did last night? 
A lot of you guys know I'm from Ohio. I'm a big Buckeyes fan. You didn't hold it against me for four years. I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to bring it up again. Okay? I'm a Buckeyes fan. Last night, they played Oklahoma. Big game. Do you know what I didn't do? I didn't stay up and watch the whole thing. Why? Because I wanted God to use me this morning. And they were way Thank you for reminding me of that. They were way ahead. They do tend to do that. <laughs> Even when they don't play Georgia State, Chris. <laughs> this has never gone well, buddy, whenever you start talking junk to me while I'm preaching. All right. I do remember a couple bets that we made that resulted in you wearing Buckeyes gear. Yeah. I was one of the most humble men. Yeah. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Yeah, that's true. But you left and they burned it. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. Listen, God wants to use you in the going. And so I want you to make the commitment to offer your physical body to him every single week. Okay. Number two, uh, I will replenish my soul. Every week, I'm going to replenish my soul. Because I want to keep going. Because I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So let me give you a couple ways to do that. Number one, I'll replenish my soul with quietness. With quietness. What would you need to do to have a space every week that, that you were quiet? So that you could hear from God. You know that God, He doesn't often yell. <laughs> he whispers more often. Psalm 23, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. You guys ever had that moment where you get into the car? And you reach for the radio and you just go, no. I just need to be quiet. Why, what is that? That's your soul saying, stop talking to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's your soul saying, stop talking to me. But here's the problem. Sometimes we're so tired that it's not the radio, it's the voice of God. God's, God's a God who speaks. God's a God who leads. God is a God who... Leads me beside quiet waters. And so I'm going to, every single week, I'm going to restore my soul. I'm not going to act like I'm God. I'm not going to act like I have to say something. I'm not going to have to, like, I have to fix it. I'm going to get quiet and I'm going to listen. Okay. For some of you, um, you're going to have to not have this involve your kids or your wife. And I don't mean that as meanly as it might sound. But for some of you, your day off involves you going to the farmer's market and being around noise and movement and all that kind of deal and you come to church and you're just as tired you just didn't clock in and so I'm talking about a time where maybe you have to get up a little bit early and you just have to get quiet before God and it doesn't involve your kids and it doesn't involve a minivan and it doesn't it just involves you and God and the ability to hear from him regardless of the octave or tone of his voice okay I'm going to replenish my soul with quiet I'm going to replenish my soul with enjoyment I think that every Sabbath day should have some quiet and every Sabbath day should have some fun. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up to the bones. Proverbs 17.22. Do you guys, have you guys ever noticed that the reverse of stressed, do you know what the word is? Dessert. That's right. Some of you, you just need to stop being stressed and eat some dessert. Once a week. Once a week, all right? Let me, tell, let me tell you a, a, a joke that I heard. Um, preacher from Louisiana, 
tells this joke about a guy by the name of Boudreaux, and Boudreaux wants to have a vasectomy. All right, hang tight. <laughs> so Boudreaux goes to the doctor and says, Doc, I want to get a vasectomy. I got a ton of kids. I need to stop. And uh, what should I do? And the doc says, Well, there's this procedure and all that kind of thing. Where are you from? And he says, Well, I'm from such and such town. The doc says, Oh, if you're from that town, we got a different way of doing it. I want you to go home. I want you to take a cup. I want you to put an M80 in it. I want you to put it up to your ear and I want you to count to 10. What? That's how you do a vasectomy if you're from a certain town? That's how we do a vasectomy if you're from a certain town. So Boudreaux says, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. And he goes to a different doc. And he says, Doc, I've got to get a vasectomy. I've I got a bunch of kids, and I don't, I don't want any more kids. Kids are a blessing from God, but I don't need any more blessing. You can understand what I'm saying. And, uh, and I need to get a vasectomy. What's the process for that to happen? And the doc says, well, there's a procedure. And by the way, where are you from? And he says, well, I'm from such and such town. And the doc says, oh, if you're from such and such town, what you need to do is you need to go home, get a cup, put an M80 in it, put it in your ear, and count to 10. Okay? And so, Boudreaux says, well, if one doc said it, it's, I'm skeptical, but if two docs say it, I might as well do it. So he goes home, he gets a cup, he gets a one, an M80, he lights it, he puts it in a cup, he goes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> yep. That, uh, that sound that you hear right now, that's called laughter. And it's good for you. <laughs> it's good for you. The Bible says that it's good for you to laugh. Some of us were so busy in the going that we don't ever laugh. And so I would say that Every Sabbath day, find some time to be quiet. Every Sabbath day, find some time to eat dessert. Every Sabbath day, find some time to laugh. Every Sabbath day, replenish your soul with people. Okay, you say, now look, Pastor Tim, people are the reason that I'm tired, but, so hang with me. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Why should I be in a community group? Because you need people in your life. Okay? As some are in the habit of doing. Some are in the habit of not meeting together. I know not you. You're all in a group. All right? Some of you are in the habit of encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what God says. The closer you think that far country is to being here, the more you should spend time with God's people. It's really practical, isn't it? How many of you guys think that God is coming back soon? Please, let it be so. Right? The more you see the day approaching, do not stop meeting with God's people. That's what it says. You freaked out about the election? I am. Spend time with God's people. Seriously. You freaked out about our economy? I am. Spend time with God's people. You freaked out about our schools? I am. Make sure you spend time with God's people. Okay. Why? Because they'll replenish your soul. Okay. So some of you say, those are the things that are driving me crazy. Well, then you aren't hanging out with the right people. Find people that replenish your soul. The reason that I show honor to Dr. Perry is because Dr. Perry is a man who replenishes my soul. Pastor Ken is a man who, there are people in this room who replenish my soul. And the reason that I love you and the reason that I spent time with you was, was selfish. Because <laughs> you, you fed my soul just by being who you are. You're going to have to find who those people are. Okay? So the first commitment, I, was, I will rest my body. The second commitment is I will replenish my soul. 
The third commitment, and we'll be done, is I will refocus my spirit. This is what Sabbath is. I'm going to rest my body. I'm going to replenish my soul. I'm going to refocus my spirit. Psalm 121 says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah 40 says, He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Here's what I want to say to you, and I'll be done. Sabbath is not a place or a pace. It's a person. Sabbath is not just a place that you go. It's not just a pace that you have. It's a person that on a weekly basis you have to stop and get face to face with. You have to stop and get quiet so that you can hear him talk. You have to stop and laugh because God loves laughter. You have to stop and eat good food because God loves good food. You have to stop and spend time with God's people because God loves people. And because through those things on a weekly basis, you will be reminded that in the going, the energy to go and the energy that will get you there is not yours, it is His. And so don't get tired. Don't get worn out. Don't get fatigued. Don't get burned out. Stop. Take a break. Get before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who loves you more than anyone has ever loved you, who will love you more than anyone will ever love you. He eternally loves you. He unconditionally loves you. And He wants to, on a weekly basis, not get our sloppy leftovers. He wants us to not be moved by pressure, but on principle say, I want to spend time with this God who knows me so well and loves me so deeply. Okay? Can I pray for you? Thank you, God, for this body and for this congregation. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for its leaders. Thank you for the incredible amount of people who have left slavery through this ministry, who are leaving Egypt through this ministry. The stories of conversion and redemption, the stories of new life, the stories of I once was blind and now I see. God, I thank you for those who are going. They're ministering, they're stepping out, they're, they're pursuing calling, they're pursuing the blessing of this city, they're pursuing to make your name great. And I just want to pray that you'll bless them, that you'll encourage them, that you'll protect them, that your hand will be on them. And for all of us, God, may we obey you in regularly finding ourselves face to face with you. We want to continue to go with strength, with vigor, with faithfulness, with fruitfulness. And in order to do it, God, I need to regularly remind myself that you don't need me to fix it. That you're God and I'm not. And so we love you today. We tell you that you're amazing today. We tell you that you're faithful today. We tell you that we know that, that you've got bigger and better things for us. We tell you that we trust you today. Would you walk with us? Would you lead us? Would you do with us whatever we will? For your glory and our joy, in the name of Jesus, amen.